0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're answering listener dynasty questions on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin. alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at RotoViz. I'm getting fired up, Curtis, because before we even got on the air tonight, I was deep into some research for the uh, rookie guide that will be dropping soon. I get to chop up some football here with you now. How are you doing?
2: Great, man. It warms my heart uh, to hear you. Uh, talking about your, I, I assume you're talking about your breakaway rush stuff. Am, yes. um, that's been in our our rookie guide the last couple years. That stuff's just absolute gold. You do a great job at presenting it. And you know, I th- I think in this year's rookie running back class, um, there's a couple very familiar names at the top uh, from Devy circles, um, and even just from the general college football fandom uh, that might be recognized. But then beyond that. Um I think there are some other interesting names. I'm really curious to see what your research shows. Um and yeah, this is this is the initial rankings week for uh, our ownership team and and uh, also Travis May, a big part of our guide. So it's going to be a fun weekend. We got we've got to get our rankings uh, <laughs> summit scheduled.
1: Yes. So I have to make sure that I nail this stuff down and get through these rankings. But, you know, it's easy to get distracted sometimes when you just start like looking through some of the results from past classes. Yes. Like I find myself like tonight, just like looking through 2014. Uh. And I'm like, all right, like, wait, like I got to let go of that and focus here on the future. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But that's but that's cool. I mean you're you're going back and you know, observing um, you know, how process, you know, may have played out, you know, the, the more years that go by the the more chances there are to to revisit data and then you know, data um sample growing larger. That's just more information for us to consume. So um definitely definitely appreciate you doing that and looking forward to all of your content in the guide this
1: year. Well, I appreciate that. But let's uh get to what we are here for tonight and that is to answer some listener questions. <laughs> which as we always say, we highly encourage everyone to send in any question that they have. And during the off season really can be on anything, anything you have within reason. We will uh, talk about on the show. Curtis is smiling. So you you never know exactly what he's looking for.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get, let's get into it, man. Um, This, this first question, uh, this first question is for Michael. Um, I, I love this one. And and normally I take the first crack at the at the dynasty questions. Um, but I'm just curious what your res, uh, your initial response to this question yep. will be, and then we, we can chop it up. So this question is um, dynasty, uh PPR, superflex PPR. I lost the first five straight games this year and I decided to tank. In 2022, I have the second and third overall pick, and I also have four first rounders for 2023. My team is actually solid with Jonathan Taylor, Terry McLaurin, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Noah Fant, and Travis Etienne. Should I play for the wins or go ahead and tank again? Um, now owning five out of 12 picks in the 2023 class. Uh, this is actually a solid team. So, so Dave, <laughs> what, what, what's your response here?
1: Well, my response here um, would be, yeah, I do think that sounds like a pretty solid team. And I, I don't think that I would intentionally tank on this because I have seen teams positioned far worse than this, or at least you would feel that way heading into the season, just kind of hit fire and turn things around. I've had a couple of teams with kind of similar makeups in the past where I thought that I would have to make a couple of moves for things to work out. But then it, it turned out that I had a couple of players on my bench that had been stashes that happened to hit that year. Um, was able to make a couple of smaller moves and things really came together. So that doesn't look like a tank type of team to me. Uh, The other thought that I had in here when this person said that they tanked, I'd be interested to understand exactly how they did it because it looks like they still have many good players. So were they tanking by trying to ship off a couple of their key pieces, throwing away that year and building to the future? Because I think that might be, the way if I were going to try and tank this team, which I wouldn't, I would start addressing it. Um, And some of that's based upon where the question goes after that. But I I think that we're probably somewhat in agreement here.
2: Yeah. um, I didn't read through the the whole question. I have a, I have a feeling that the Michael was playing some games with the starting lineup uh, equation here and, and purposefully, tanking which you know if there's no rules against that in your dynasty league um then it's not um if there's no rules against it then it's legal um that's I, I, like you that's not the way I would prefer to tank you know usually a super flex league if I'm ready to tank and I've got you know veteran quarterbacks that aren't in that uber elite class I'm tra- basically trading away quarterbacks and not starting quarterbacks in the flex yep. and you know adding adding those in at the appropriate time um, you know just to answer this Question specifically though that is a great core you know you're you're talking the overall dynasty running back one and jonathan taylor uh in the middle of his prime and a team that now has defined his role you've got you know a consensus top two dynasty wide receiver and justin jefferson um, another you know high end wide receiver two and and Terry McLaurin a top six quarterback and Joe Burrow and then you've got some upside plays with Noah Fant and Travis Etienne so it's the makings of a good core and you've got seven first rounders over the next two years what I'm prob- what I'm probably doing here um, is I-, I would like to to play some of these picks out but that I also yep. like to convert them I mean this is a team I would love to I would love to go out and find a way to add Jamar Chase to this team. Just, just have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow. You've got the stack there, the Bengals, and then Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that team is filthy. Everyone will be shaking when they play you. And, you know, you've you've got a concentration of value at the top of the dynasty board. So with all the draft capital that you have, Michael, I think you can get this done. Um I, I would propose. You know, potentially trading either the second or third overall pick and a pair of your, you know, two of your first five rounders in 2023. I, you know, I think leading with an offer of a top three pick this year along with two first rounders from the 2023 class, I think you're at least gonna get the Jamar Chase owners' attention, especially in a super flex format. It's gonna depend on the condition of the team, but I would be willing to make that type of move when I own seven firsts um it, it, and then what you're doing there is you're not compromising your future because you're you're trading in the capital for a young piece um but you're also you know increasing your chances of competing this year uh maybe you can get this team to arrive a year early so uh, it chase isn't the only you know player that you could do this with you know i don't know who your qb2 is you didn't um think to mention it uh that's an that's another important piece you know perhaps you could move out of the two and three overall, uh, if that team is rebuilding and get a, you know, a second elite quarterback, there's lots of different plays, but I would be exploring, you know, the other, the rest of the bottom half of your, your league, um, and using those seven picks, um, using three of those seven picks to improve your team, whether that's just one elite player or, you know, two, uh, very solid players that that's the way that I would play this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense to me because one of the things to keep in mind here, too, as just a very blanket statement for anybody that started listening this year and hasn't heard us break down that much on Dynasty, um, those seven rookie picks, if you keep all of them, the actual like return to your team that you're going to get out of them is not going to be likely as high as it's going to be if you're able to convert those into other measures in this case being players because you could pick seven guys from a first round you know and only have a a handful of them work out something to keep in mind too and then also when this team starts to develop you know trying to work in these seven guys like into a core might not be as clean as just getting two absolute studs if you're able to uh in some context like that um Anything else to add there, Curtis? Um,
2: you know, th- I think the other thing that I would, I would say um, just to the tanking thing, I understand why people do it. Um, it's just not yeah. in my blood. I, I can't tank. I, I, I just can't. I always try my best with every, every squad, you know, every year. Um, I, it, it just... I think that's that's the point. Um, and if if you want to learn more about how to build a team um, while you're still not, I, I guess how to preserve draft capital while you're building a team, um, and um, and be able to compete without holding yourself back in the future. Um, you know, one of our close friends uh, of the podcast, one of my best friends in the industry, you know, Ryan McDowell, uh, has written over the years of his strategy, uh, that actually begins in the startup, um, called productive struggle. Um, and it's a really interesting, um, concept that, uh, many people have used, uh, f- it, again, that's not really the way that I like to play. Uh, I like to compete in year one and compete every year. And I, even if I have to scratch and claw and do it, um, but that is a very interesting way where you can build kind of one of these juggernauts. And with the, with the, uh, number of picks that Michael has here, You know, I'm I'm wondering if he's actually deployed this strategy to get himself to this point. Now he's just wondering what to do with all the assets. So, um, Michael, with your core, the good news is with your core and all these these uh, draft assets, it's going to be pretty hard to muck this up. Uh, So best of luck.
1: One one closing thought there, too, that I thought was kind of funny in his question, he asked. uh, And here's a random question. With so many picks, if deciding to take, would you lose all the matches but try to beat the people who you have their picks or just lose them all. So what I would say to this is a line of thought that you're going down to try to like the number of scenarios you would have to be keep like track of to see, you know, if you're actually playing this thing out correctly, that mental energy is probably better spent on trying to improve your team in other ways. You know, try to control the things that are actually controllable, I think. Uh is the is the way that I would approach that one. All right, Curtis, though, we had some other questions come in. Uh, Let's pop over to uh, a pretty interesting one here, which is cheap wide receivers to target in trades during the dynasty offseason. As everyone knows, Curtis is I mean, this guy is exploring trades uh, while he's asleep. This guy's exploring them while he's driving in his car. <laughs> he probably has some going on in the back of his mind. I the so uh, what do you have for us there, sir? Do you have yeah. anything in specific?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, so in in the dynasty offseason, uh, first off, um, the easiest players to trade for um, are the veterans. Um, So it's uh, the guys on the wrong side of the age curve or people who are younger and maybe, you know, produce at a wide receiver three level, but there's not much hope for them to go higher than that. Um, People are going to have rookie pick fever. If they don't already have it, they're going to have it, you know, within the next four weeks for sure. As more and more of that content gets produced. This is the best time of year, though, to target uh veterans veterans and maybe are are post hype at this point or post age curve even if they've been great over the course of their career so a couple of different types of profiles that we'd like to look like or that we like to look at um players um such as Jerry Judy they don't necessarily have to be Jerry Judy but um he's an example former um high end draft pick um in a situation where he disappointed in the in the year that he was supposed to pop. Um, it was supposed to all come together this year. Uh, only able to play nine games uh, for for various reasons. But his his quarterback situation is sure to improve next year. The Broncos are going to have to do something here, um, and I don't think. I mean, I'm not sure that it would take a first to get Judy at this point. Um, I, I think that you might be able to to do it cheaper. Um. So, so that's an example. Another example might be, uh, as uh, so I'm scrolling up through our our list here, Rondale Moore. Um, Rondell Moore was all over the board in terms of value and in, in uh, rookie drafts just this past season, and you know, 65 targets, 435 yards, and a touchdown. Just the one touchdown, you know, very disappointing. That team's wide receiver room probably going to look a little different next year. I don't know if AJ Green will be back. DeAndre Hopkins is looking like uh, he's failing fast in terms of his health. Um, Christian Kirk could be gone. Um, So I I, I could see a a much easier path to 100 targets for more in a kind of a prove-it year two. Um, Player like Gabriel Davis in a high-flying Buffalo offense with Emmanuel Sanders being in his mid-30s. Cole Beasley... uh, you know kind of falling out of favor over the course of the year um you always like to try to get that secondary or maybe even tertiary target um tied to a, a high-end quarterback like Allen. it just depends on what you think of dawson knox i think he's made a pretty good he made a pretty good case to be <laughs> considered the number two there i think at this point
1: yeah
2: um but then you know on, on, yeah, yeah i'm preaching dave's uh language here now <laughs> but then you've got you know players on on the other end too you know, on the other end of the of the age spectrum, players like Tyler Lockett are going to continue to get cheaper um, as they as they approach thirty or have even maybe crested thirty in, in some cases. I think Mike Evans will continue to get cheaper. Um, Keenan Allen will continue to get cheaper. But when you have these types of of, of wide receivers who are tied to high end quarterbacks and not much is changing about their situation, the only thing that's changing is the you know, the number next to their age, but their their role isn't changing, their quarterback's not changing. Those make for um, intriguing buys because at the end of the day, the point is to win your dynasty league. You know, we we want to, ideally we'd like to win our dynasty league and have the most valuable team because um, that's how you stay at the top once you get at the top. Um, but the first and foremost goal is to, to win your dynasty league in any given season. And so I really like to speculate on both sides of second round rookie pick value type players um, at this point in time, at this uh, point of the year, I like to accrue picks um, so that I can convert them on draft day. Um, but I also like to trade that type of pick or, you know, you make a trade where you give up your first and you try to get one of these players along with a second coming back. And then you just use those seconds. We know in super flex leagues in particular, the second round rookie picks have a little bit extra value. Uh, versus a, a traditional 1QB format, especially if you're also playing tight end premium. Um, so, you know, I gave you some names there. Anybody stick out there, Dave, or anybody you'd want to add into well, the mix this, here? The, the,
1: there was two names that kind of popped up to me with the idea of, of guys that you might be able to get uh, a little bit underpriced. Um and one is a player that we mentioned before, and, and you know, you really have to explore things on this because it's possible that the, the manager that has this player on their team would feel differently. But I, I think Hunter Renfro is still a player that might go under price. Of course, there could be some changing things. There going to be some shifts in that organization most likely, but Hunter Renfro could be a player that you could get at a reduced rate. That might be interesting. And then in the other one too, uh, Van Jefferson, I would throw out as well. Uh, Because I think that what we have seen with how solid the Rams have been, if a window of opportunity opens for him, he's able to do pretty well with it. Um, You know, it's not exactly sure, uh, you know, what his role will be, you know, with Robert Woods. Uh, returns next year. Uh, what happens with OBJ? Of course, you'll have Cooper Cup there. But I, I think that Van Jefferson is another guy that I would keep in mind. I'm not exactly sure that those fit entirely into the mold of what the question was asking for. Uh, but it, it just like when I first opened up our dynasty rankings and started looking through, those were two names that kind of popped out to me.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: Yeah, one, I think one other player that I would, I would throw out there, I think he's going to get, uh, he either recently got a contract or is going to get a contract uh, with New York. If you think about teams on on the rise and opportunities to kind of cement oneself as the secondary target, Braxton Berrios. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, he really had some um, higher-end production over the second half of the year, and slotting in there as the complement to Elijah Moore Um, if Zach Wilson were to take a step forward and that's another way to play this, uh, by the way, and actually brings another name to mind for me, um, getting some young underperforming quarterbacks that could take the step in year two, trying to get some of those pieces. But, uh, Berrios, I think is a guy that could take a step from 64 targets into that 85 to 90 range, you know, kind of being a flex worthy player on a week to week basis next season. And another player who's slightly more valuable, um, but had, actually a very surprising number of targets the conversion just wasn't where you'd want it to be finish the season as wide receiver 26 if we're just counting raw uh raw PPR it just fell short of a 200 point breakout uh in a, in his second season here Darnell Mooney Darnell Mooney 195 PPR if Justin Fields were to take a step forward under a new coaching regime um man you know Mooney could skyrocket from 124 targets maybe in that 140 150 range um score another touchdown or two you know he had a uh you know kind of a a meager touchdown rate with just you know four touchdowns on 124 targets there's multiple ways he could step forward um and and that's another type of of player to go after so i'm not so sure that that mooney would command anything more than you know a second round pick second round rookie pick in in a super flex format Um, Wow. Okay. Another way to speculate, especially. Yeah. When you get the, when you get the young player uh, for the cheap price.
1: Got it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely no disagreement for me there. Uh, Another interesting question that came through Curtis and I have not fully had time to process what my response would be in light of the fact that we saw this player for the first time uh <laughs> this week for some for the first time in in quite some time and that is cam Akers. and the question is where does he fall in dynasty rankings so i've opened up the um let me open up our superflex tight end premium ppr rankings here and i am going to look at what we have for running backs and then you tell me curtis if, well, I'm going to say a couple of names and tell me if that feels like it's even in the range. Um, so Derek Henry, Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb acres feel like he's in that range.
2: Not for okay, me. Yeah. Me either. Um, I, I, th- I think, I, I think I would take the one year sure thing uh, for, for, well, not that anything is ever sure. Those <laughs> guys are getting a little <laughs> longer in the tooth, but yeah, um, you know, the, again, it kind of goes back to the situations, not really changing. And all three of them are in good ones. Um, he would be a step below that for me. Yeah.
1: I think that he would for me as well. Uh, if we work our way down the list a little bit, what about a player like Antonio Gibson or David Montgomery? You think Akers slots into that range or is there a chance that he's a little bit further back with a player, maybe like uh CEH or AJ Dillon? I think this
2: is the this is the right range um because we love the offense that he's in. There's gonna be a lot of touchdown scoring opportunity. Uh he's looked great. I'm still skeptical of the the long term, you know, health post Achilles tear, but he's he's defied all odds (laughs) to come back in six months. And it's possible he's superhuman. Um so I don't want to bet against (laughs) this type of this type of player. You know, but we've had we've had a couple seasons now um from Antonio Gibson where you know he's been dinged uh, a little bit. It's been more minor stuff, but we haven't seen him take that massive step forward. With Cam Akers, at least there's the intrigue of never having gotten you know the big volume before. We we've seen yep. Gibson uh, be available largely, but not able to lock down the high volume role. Um, I think Montgomery was another name that you mentioned. I Montgomery's probably more probably more valuable to. A team from a production standpoint, but I think he's capped out on value. Whereas I think the fact that there is intrigue around Akers, the second that he shows something, he's gonna be, you know, far more valuable um than Montgomery. And it's a little bit unfair, but that's that's part of uh the fun of Dynasty. Akers feels very much like J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne. I think you value him like those guys, you know, guys that we were high on going into the year and injuries, you know, delayed. Um, the breakouts. Um, The one that I wanted to ask you with acres is acres versus Saquon Barkley. What do you think?
1: Wow. That one is really, really interesting. (laughs) Um, And at this point, I think it speaks more to just being down on Barkley Um, because, you know, we've kind of reached the point where it's hard to, A, from a health perspective, B, from an age perspective, and then C, just from a production on the field perspective, view Barkley like we once did. So he's dropped a fair amount for me. I think in relation to acres, oh boy, I'm going to have to say that I think they probably fall out in a similar range, at least without digging into this more. like I don't have a gut feel that really brings me either way. So if I'm forced to choose one, I probably then have to lean acres just because of what could be. So actually, now I've talked myself into it now. I think my answer is Akers. (laughs) Better offense, uh, more potential Uh, there. I do think Akers is a great back. I'm not certain that we're going to see him be able to emerge as one of these players that's getting 25 opportunities per game. Um, But yeah, I guess there's more hope for a fantastic season on the horizon from Akers, I think, than there is for Barkley.
2: So just um kind of get to get more specific with this. I've got Acres at my RB11 right now uh for startup drafts. I've got them tied uh with with JK Dobbins there. Uh so I guess it's, you know, after that it would be RB13. Um it sounds like you're either going to be adjusting Barkley downward or Acres upward uh because, you know, yep. you've got you got him just a couple slots lower uh than Barkley right now, but you still already had Cam Akers at RB14. Um, so, you know, both of us had kind of been making those adjustments in December as it became clear that he was going to be healing, you know, far ahead of time. I did make a tweak after this past weekend, um, seeing his snap share, uh, rise and his, uh, touch share rise, uh, for the second straight week. And, and honestly, you now he's just passing the eyeball test. He looks explosive. It's, it's really crazy. Um, so, you know, good, good on cam. I'm not sure how much higher he could climb. What's going to be really interesting though. Is once we start to mix in, you know, maybe a player like Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller or some of these backs from the 2022 class, depending on who you've got at the top, where do those guys uh, slot in versus an Acres or a Dobbins? That's going to be, I think, the real big debate. Do you take the the bet on the total unknown or the player that looks the part but is battling an injury and now you know is already suddenly in in year three? Um, that's the fascinating stuff that we can get into in the dynasty off season. And I think Dave, we're going to have to title this episode, something to do with cam Akers uh, at this point, because <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's a play, he's going to be one of the most talked about players this off season. I think he's going to be very buzzworthy.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, no matter who we had in at the backfield or that looked like, uh, you know, they could be the guy there next year, be it Henderson, Michelle, Acres, like even if Acres wasn't ready to return, that was a spot that was going to be talked about a lot. So I'm also looking forward to our discussion about what happens now with Michelle and Henderson, because Henderson was a guy that we gave a lot of love to heading into last year. And I still think that, you know, that was a decision that made sense. So, you know, a lot to break down there.
2: There's one more question that came in that we should hit. It'll be quick. Uh, This comes from Jason. Jason's very eager about this question, because I'll tell you, um, Jason left this on my timeline. Jason left this in my DMs. Jason less, left this in Calm's <laughs> DMs. Uh, and, but I'm sure he is not the only person asking uh, or curious. He wants to know when is there going to be a RotaVis community discord. Um, we've gotten this question a couple times. Um, probably going to have to relent uh, very soon. <laughs> um, I, I think our battle has been we don't want to open up a community and then not you know, be active participants in it. Um, for those of you that listen to me for several years, uh, or I guess maybe five plus uh, at this point, um, Dynasty Command Center used to be uh, a Slack that I, I was involved in literally around the clock every day. Um, and it's a special, special thing when you've got that dynamic going, but you know, you're you're trading that for other things that people find value in as well. It's kind of like how, how far down that White glove service? Do you go versus uh, stuff that is going to appeal more to the masses that are subscribing to your site, listening to your podcast, you know, etc. However, I think a community Discord where it's basically open and available um, to subscribers to interact with each other, with a you know maybe to cut up an article that Dave's written, or to talk about our rookie guide, or to react to what we've spoken about on the pod. Um, and just interact with each other. You know, I think it's a great idea. Um, it has to be one of those things where you know we just all you know get comfortable with it. Uh, that's something that that Dave and I and Sean and Blair you know we'll talk about it, figure it out. But it's it's a great idea. I know other sites have done this successfully, and I appreciate Jason so eagerly uh, hammering his point home. So I hope he's listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that he he will be glad that uh, you know got to got to get a response out there because he certainly does sound eager. Uh, yeah, you know, it's definitely, I think something that there is a lot of challenge to, and, you know, one of the things that would hold it back is kind of having something that would have, you know, our, our site's name on it. Um, you know, but we can only have so much actual involvement from us is, is one of the hard trade-offs that there, that there is, you know, there's only so many of us only so many hours in the day. So, you know, no promises, uh, but it, it certainly is something that, you know, we'll make sure it gets discussed. Curtis, you look like, you look like you're, I can't, I can't, that was a quizzical look. I didn't know book. where you are going with that. Oh, you didn't know where I was going with that? All
2: right. All right. Do, uh, do, do you? Uh, no, no, honestly, it was, it was, it was nothing more than just enjoying this, uh, enjoying this last sip of uh, maker's cask strength. That's what I, what I poured tonight. And I think we, we pulled off a cask strength episode here in less than 30 minutes and we'll be back, you know, again, Friday. With more fantasy football talk.
1: Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave CabinFF and at C. NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.